Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, MC. It's excellent to have you back. So, uh, this is the promised double episode that was supposed to happen a while back. Uh, unfortunately, as a result of work and something else I'm about to mention, I have had uh, no time. Um, <clears throat> I've been forced to work uh, immensely and to do things I normally wouldn't have been doing uh, because no one else was around to do it. So that meant I had no time to prepare, and I definitely was not going to be ready to do this. So, um, <clears throat> And the other unfortunate thing is that uh, I am now in a boot uh, for uh, just a little bit, thank God. But uh, also as a result of work, uh, I did <laughs> injure myself a little bit. Nothing terrible, uh, nothing you know, <clears throat> immense, but yeah, it kind of sucks. I had a very hard time sleeping last night when normally I was going to record uh, the episode last night, but unfortunately, as a result of the immense pain that I was in, I decided it would just be better if I didn't do that. So I'm sure you didn't want me <laughs> trying not to swear as hard as possible every time uh, I moved my foot the wrong way. So thank you for your patience. Welcome back once again. It's so great to have you. I want to I want to shout out. Uh, there's a lot of uh, regulars out there, uh, and by a lot I mean a few. <laughs> uh, but I've got some some good people out there, and you know who you are in uh, North Carolina and Texas and Virginia. Uh, you guys have been very very good to me by continuing to listen after all this. I mean, if you can put up with me, I'm extremely grateful for that so shout out to you guys so uh what have i in the midst of this been watching well as a direct result of the work i had to do there was a lot of time when i was not on my feet because there was nothing to do uh until there was time to be on my feet and i injured myself but you know what whatever <laughs> so i managed uh, to get through all of uh, a certain scientific railgun um a certain scientific railgun S, a certain magical index season one, and I am six episodes into uh, uh, a certain scientific accelerator, which I've got to say, wow, I have avoided this series for so long, and I, I why did I do that? <laughs> it's so good. It's uh, maybe it was just because of the length. I said, no, I don't want to do it. But, you know, I finally said, you know, a lot of people really love these series. Like, I should check them all out. And uh, you're wondering, but why did you list the series off in that order, Christian? Well, MC, or whatever I want to call myself tonight. Uh, it's because I am following a, uh, a chronological order chart uh, for the series that uh, is not in broadcast order uh, for everything. And I'm trying to bring it up correctly so I can actually shout out the person who made the chart and you know give them the uh, you know correct uh, what's the word I'm looking for not validation uh, gosh I, I just had a conversation with people uh, the other day about how hard it is sometimes for me to remember words <laughs> and it's not happening here credit credit is the word I'm looking for thank God I filibustered enough to get there. Uh, this list was created by a someone named Eniosophy. So, shout out to you, 
Antiosophy, this has been an immensely useful list for me uh, to keep track of the series in chronological order instead of broadcast order because I wanted to have the context for everything as it was happening, and that's one of the things that was another thing that stopped me from getting into you know, a certain you know blah 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 series was like oh well events are told out of order. I'm like oh that's how I felt in the the first season of The Witcher. It's like oh oh wait oh, this is happening at different times. And it wasn't directly spelled out, so I was immensely confused. So, <clears throat> uh, th thanks again, uh, Anniosophy, for that list. It has been so needed, so great. Now, actually, talking about the shows proper, I have got to say, I am so angry at myself for missing them as long as I have. I have had so much fun exploring these really wonderfully deep and great characters <clears throat> like uh misika is uh on a fast track to becoming one of my favorite characters of all time if you know the the story stays the way it is with her arc uh, she is the definition of a dynamic character and i am absolutely uh, adoring the way you know she starts off you know a bit more aloof and then she learns you know to accept you know uh, kindness from other people, except that she needs the help of her friends, that she can't do anything, everything alone. And, I, oh gosh, she's so, I, I want to gush about her all night long, but I, I'm going to stop myself. Um, so Railgun, definitely out of the three series so far, is my favorite. Uh, really looking forward to Railgun T when I get there. Uh, Index has been, has been good. I mean, I'm not as hype about that as I am with Railgun, but that's not to say it's bad. I am once again, so glad I went in chronological uh, order because going through the the Misika clone arc in Index without having all the context that happened in Railgun definitely helped me understand it a lot more and it didn't feel as rushed, in my opinion. So, really love that. Um, Toma is a really cool character. Uh, it's You would think, oh, he's, oh, he's got the ability to cancel out other powers. He's so overpowered. It's like, no, he's still a regular dude. And he has to utilize his right arm. That's a good way to have an overpowered character. Same thing with, with uh, Misika, uh, in that she has a really OP power. But no, she's still you know a young girl, so she can be beaten up. She can be outsped. Uh, with Toma, same thing. It's like uh, if someone gets to drop on him or gets behind him, like he's gonna go down. That's just how it works. And now with Accelerator, uh, what is his actual name? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I was so confused. It's like, how is he going to end up being a main character? And from his introduction, he is such a very cruel person until you realize that, oh, he was told that all these clones he were he was killing were just mindless dolls, effectively. And like, that doesn't make it great. But at the same time, it's like, well, as someone who sought power, like, why wouldn't he take advantage of something that didn't have a soul? And, you know, that you have your moral ethical issues there. I'm definitely on more on the lines of, well, he shouldn't have been doing that anyways. But I am grateful to see that he realized what he was doing, that he was actually killing people and all the immense you know harm he was causing there. And he's and it's not even like, oh, well, I'm a better person now. It's like, no, <laughs> he's still a bit of a psychopath. <laughs> So I, I've enjoyed that. I'm wondering where it's going to go from here. And Last Order, I'm a little biased because of how much I love Misika, but Last Order, uh, 
is such a fun, it's just good character in the series. I, I love the, it's something that could easily get annoying too. If the clone's uh, propensity to just say, like uh, Miska said, annoyed, or Miska said expectantly, or something like that, after every sentence they say. But I, I've quite enjoyed that. It's something that's kind of endeared me to them, make them very different from the person they were cloned from. So I would highly recommend the A Certain Magical Slash Scientific series right now. If you couldn't have guessed, I've talked about it for like six minutes. <laughs> and I could talk about it more, but we need to move on uh, to what else. Uh, I did, I am still in Ultraman Max. Uh, and I gotta say, I am not as big on Ultraman Max as the past couple of series, especially after going from Ultraman Nexus. It's it's a return to form with some self-parody in there as well that I'm not that keen on. It's not it's not bad. It's not a bad show. It's just it's a little jarring going from one to the other. Uh especially you'll see more episodes with kids in them as you would typically see back in the olden days. Uh so that's taken some getting used to as well. So uh, once again it's not it's not terrible. It's just I I'm not as hyped on it as I was for Nexus uh, when it came out. But I do believe that's about it for all that I have watched. Yeah, that sounds about right. If I'm forgetting something, whatever. It's like, ah, I'm sorry, I moved my foot wrong. Out of urge. Oh, we're keeping it live. No cuts. All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> this is so professional. Uh, to our comics discussion. We will start uh, with The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 82, Beyond, chapter 8. Uh, this is written by Saladin Ahmed. This is drawn by uh, Jorge Fornes, uh, Dan Brown, and Joe Car Caramagna. Well, well, well. Yeah, not as good as the one before it, but oh well, we'll get into it before I spoil things. Uh, so we start with uh, Peter being moved to a new room. Uh, he's being told that he's graduated out of the ICU. Um... He's asked by his neighbor if he's it's okay because uh, this is uh, one of those double rooms that's shared by people if he can move the curtain between them. He says, ah, oh, that's better. Hey, I'm Rico. Peter says, uh, hey, Rico, I'm Pete. And he points to the TV. He's like, I was just watching highlights from the game, man. Have you seen this? It's unbelievable. Well, I've been a little busy, so... Uh, and we get a voice off screen. Mr. Sotomayor, it's time for you to come with me. He says, huh? I'm getting moved again. Nobody told me. Uh, terribly sorry, terribly sorry. This way, please. Well, good to meet you, buddy. So long. Peter says, yeah, you too. And Peter is about to fall asleep. And then MJ comes in and says, Peter, you awake? He looks a little upset. And he says, oh, hey, MJ. Uh, don't sound so excited to see me. He says, sorry, I... And, <clears throat> and he has a bit of, looks like his spider sense is going off, uh, a little messing around with him for a bit. And as they're talking, they hear that um, uh, a the woman, a, uh, Rico's wife... Is asking where he is, and she's being lied to by Orly, which Peter says, he said, he just wheeled that woman's husband out of here. And MJ says, I'm sure it's just a mistake. The hours these people work, it's easy to get confused. And you sound like you've already worn yourself out. You need to take it easy, Tiger. Get some actual rest. Rest. Not with a K. <laughs> I don't need to. Don't need to. And he falls asleep. And the orderly comes and says, pardon me, ma'am. Visiting hours are over. And he looks like your typical, this is probably an evil guy. <laughs> uh, with sunken eyes and uh, a little stockier build. And she says, but it's not eight yet. 
There are special circumstances today, ma'am. Terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. Okay, just give me a minute. Pete, do you need any... He is fast asleep. She says, that's right, Tiger. Rest. Get better, please. I'm going to ask about these special circumstances. And Peter wakes up, says, Mary Jane. Then there's a new voice beside him. He says, is that your girlfriend's name? She's gone, honey. They were supposed to discharge me two hours ago. This place is run by bozos. They can't... And a new woman had been brought into the room with him. And oh, how the heck do you pronounce this name? Uh, Mrs. Haroyan? H-A-R-O-I-A-N. Sorry for butchering that fictional character. And it orderly says, it's time for you to come with me. She says, I'm being discharged, finally? Discharged? Oh, no, 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 no. Time for you to come with me. Special circumstances. Special who? My son's supposed to come get me. I'm going home. Where are you taking me? I'm supposed to go home. Terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. And Peter says, it jumps up off the bed's up. Not off the bed, but up from the bed. Says, hey, pal, she's trying to tell you it's been a mistake. Hey. And he falls asleep once more after dealing with the spider sense going off. And uh, the orderly appears hours later and says, Mr. Parker, it's time for you to come with me. Peter says, you, where'd, the old, where'd that old lady go? Why'd you lie to that man's wife? What the heck's going on with... Ah! And the spider sense goes off again. The orderly says, what a nosy young man you are. I had to increase your dosage. Terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. But it would make you much less troublesome. And Peter loses consciousness. And then later on, as he's being uh, moved around in a sub-basement, he gets con regains consciousness as, as Orderly is talking to him, says, There are places in this hospital that were not meant to be seen, but they open themselves to those who know how to look. You're such a curious young man. I'll show you my favorite place. You, but you may not like what you find. For only in the darkness can I show my true shape. As he uh, now appears, the orderly, as this giant, hulking, uh, demonic figure with rows of teeth ready to take Peter. As right beside him, you see a bunch of bones and blood on the ground. And uh, the beast says, Here in the deep dark is where I feast, where I can only feed in my true shape. Peter asks, And the light? The light burns like wildfire. And we get good to know. As MJ appears behind him, says, say cheese. She brings out her phone, puts the flash on. He's, the monster starts burning, uh, attacks her. Uh, Peter says, MJ, I think we passed lights on the way. And she says, got it, runs away. Uh, the monster attacks her. She uh, hits him with a wrench, uh, manages to get away for a second. <clears throat> and then uh, she says, whatever the hell you are, you tried to eat the wrong guy. And she finds a switch, turns the lights on. And he is consumed by the light and burnt to a crisp as Peter gets up from the bed and says, Oh, my, my hero. And MJ says, What are you doing? Get back in bed. Are you f flirting with... And he slumps down and falls. And MJ says, Someday, Peter Parker, you're going to learn how to rest. If you don't, it's going to kill you. As we move on from there uh, to see uh, Misty and uh, Colleen looking for something, we find that is the lizard so in another very original round of the beyond arc the lizard has become potentially evil oh my gosh uh as, as you might have can tell from the sound of my voice this arc was a bit of a drag and not even at the midway point maybe we'll be after the next issue uh, we're discussing tonight but what a nothing issue you know i thought Maybe I would turn around. This is the first time I read it, I was like, I don't know about this. It's I definitely understand. Like, I get where the idea would come from. It's like, oh, it's such a, a cool concept. Like, I'd like to see that in practice. But 
Uh, it's also kind of hindered by the fact that Peter can't like actively investigate what's going on, which I think would make this a lot better as a story. It's like if he was visiting someone in the hospital and he found that they'd been taken away for like if he was doing a story for the Bugle forever ago or maybe he was a former employee of Parker Industries. Um, so, I mean, that's how I would have changed it. Unfortunately, it's in the mix of this, you know, beyond stuff. So, and the second time I read through it, I was like, man, maybe, maybe feel a little more positive. Maybe not. And the third time, which is reading this for the podcast, it's like, I'm, I'm just down on this. I'm. I'm not a fan of the way it was presented. It's it's a nothing chapter. I, I do like I do like uh, Peter and MJ working together. I mean, it's kind of obvious, you know, they know each other so well that she being you know in, inquisitive would be looking into everything that Peter couldn't since he was on the bed. So I do like MJ as the investigator. I think it makes a lot of sense for her after everything she's dealt with. There's no way she's taking this down lightly. But uh, the whole thing is just like, if if we move from this issue to the next, it's like nothing had happened. So instead of being negative, I'm just going to move on uh, to issue, uh, is this, 83? Yep. Uh, Beyond, Chapter 9. This is written by Patrick Gleason. This is drawn by pa- Patrick Gleason. Molly Hollowell, Nathan Fairbairn, uh, Chris Eliopoulos and uh, Joe Caramagna. <laughs> I said I was get, wasn't going to be negative, but then we get into this one. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so we start with uh, Janine uh, being told by uh, one of the <clears throat> uh, members there of Beyond what's been going on with Ben. Uh, she finds out that Captain America is going to be in town, uh, working at the McCarthy uh, Medical Center, uh, dedicating it for, you know, reasons because so that he can be in this story, I guess. And you know, she's—it's obviously <clears throat> that bit of oh, I'm still a caged bird, you know, because she's not really doing anything about it, but she's going to mope around, and that's just great for characterization. Maybe she changes after this, and maybe this is the midway point, and I'm just complaining before that happens. I'll try and be more positive, I swear. I don't like being Debbie Downer. Uh, As uh, we move over to Peter on his hospital bed as he's being yelled at, his full name is given as an ultimatum uh, by the nurse. She says, I know you're not going to make me tell my good friend, May Parker, that you gave up on physical therapy the first day. He says, "I I just can't today. Can't or won't? Yeah, sure, yeah, that one. Uh, she says, quitting isn't an option when you still have folk out there who care for you, Peter. Out there, do you mean people in here don't care about me, Lois? Don't sass me, Parker, and don't waste my time. Your uncle taught you better than that. Uh, he, in narration, he says, did May tell her about the time I had the flu when I was a kid? Not exactly inspiring. She says, Put the, push that call button when you're ready to do the work. And he thinks, to summon that May's personal nurse ratchet? Yeah, yeah no thanks. At least Nurse MJ still makes house calls. <laughs> uh, and he gets, he gets a text from her and says, In case you don't remember when you wake up, I stopped by. I know you're worried about PT today. You'll do great. I believe in you, Tiger. XOXO. <clears throat> and he says, All MJ's always known, always knows how to make me feel better, even if it's just a text. And he looks above to the window, and, <laughs> and in lipstick, uh, Felicia has written, I like watching you sleep. Which is awful. I mean, imagine 
if the genders were reversed and you know people weren't you know, fans of Twilight, she just Edward Cullen them. <laughs> Didn't expect that reference tonight, did you? Anything he, he says, ah, Felicia. Hope I don't get bail for that. And uh, he realizes that he sent some texts to Aunt May. Uh, he says, oh, I must have been doped out of my mind on uh, new pain meds last night. I didn't even... And he realizes he's bit on something. He says, oh, why on earth would I... Ow! Like I can afford any of... Ow! Not again. Not now. Please, spider sense. And we get a really cool panel of, like, a nuclear explosion happening within his eye that's, like, representing how the spider sense is messing with him. So I do want to shout that out. That's really, really nice panel on this. He says, I just need you to chill out. Ever since the UFO's blast, my spidey sense has been stabbing further into my mind, warning me of danger inside. When the docs check my vitals after these blackouts, I play dumb. But I'm not. I've done the math. Radio volatile gas plus my own unique physiology equals my normally dependable spider sense taking on a new life of its own. Like wearing a glove turned inside out. Only it's agony. It's hard enough to think about physical therapy when most days I can barely fight this off through sheer willpower. MJ wanted me to take time to process everything. Ever since Uncle Ben died, I've never been able to just sit still. Now I'd give up anything to go back, to stop fighting the pain. It hurts so bad. Please, I, I don't need you right now. I have to get this under control now. Just... And another creepy panel, this time around, of uh, him screaming, Get out! As a bunch of spider legs seem to, like come out of his head as it's a, a, a visual representation of the pain that he's feeling and he falls onto the ground it seems like uh as he's going into this mental plane like he's ripped out of the spider suit and <clears throat> as a fallen naked into the snow but then he wakes up uh nurse lois has returned which by the way uh, I don't know if we've actually met this woman before but she seems to be very familiar with him and mentioning aunt may and uncle ben so I, I maybe it's just implied it's the first time we are meeting her, but they've known each other before, so it's a little awkward if that's true. Uh, unless I'm forgetting a character, which is not impossible with, you know, over like uh, what is it, uh, nine hundred? <laughs> no, about to be nine hundred issues of the Amazing Spider-Man plus Spectacular plus Web of Spider-Man and Adjective List and so on and so forth. So if I'm forgetting her, I apologize. If not, it's a little awkward. <clears throat> and she says, uh, Peter Benjamin Parker, at least you are no longer in pain. But I didn't accidentally sit on your call button thingy, did I? Looks like all you called for were, nah, called for was some retail therapy. Oh, that, thanks. Decided to stroll across the room all by yourself? She says, uh, my, uh, migraines seem to be a lot better. Mind over matter, you know. Oh, delighted to hear it. So does that mean you're ready to do the work? Uh, the work, oh yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. You're not going to give up on me again? Definitely not. Definitely? Definitely? Maybe not. Maybe? Maybe in a day or two. I just need to get my feet back under me first. And we see that he has left the hospital behind uh, using his spider suit, and there are debates on whether or not this actually happens, so we'll get to that in a second. It says, I'll take spider therapy with you any day, where the only thing I feel is the wind in my face and a cool breeze blowing up my knockoff tights. I need to jumpstart my other senses and get back into swing of things, so to speak. Uh, so we, some of the things that he had bought were actually the suit and the web shooters and stuff like that. So it seems like in the midst of that, he actually did something for himself, even, even though he was doped up on his drugs. Uh, so we see some carjackers uh, heading his way. 
he manages to go down there to try and stop them. And <clears throat> they say, uh, watch that uh, loony fake Spider-Man bay, uh, one of the criminals says. He says, and Peter says, actually, there are two of us now, and I am the amazing spider. And he tries to use this web to thwip. <laughs> he says, go webs, go. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. As he didn't make any webs, so even though he has a web shooter, it's not going to work properly. He flies into the car, causing them to go off course and uh, angering then the criminals who then start beating him up <clears throat> over and over again. He hears over the radio that the captain's coming their way as we find that Captain America has appeared. He says, that is enough. And he goes, oh, okay, he wait, makes way more sense. Unlike my spider sense, which isn't warning me about the gun, the bullet, or Captain America's glorious made in the U.S. of A. as Cap has thrown the shield to prevent Spider-Man from being hit by the bullet. But because Peter's spider sense is acting up all the time, he doesn't dodge out of the way, and he is hit by the shield. And he thinks, I may have put the cart before the horse on this whole return thing. And Captain America bends down and says, I'm so sorry, kid. I just thought, you know, you usually duck. Which what makes perfect sense. Like, after Captain America has worked for Spider-Man for so long, if this is actually happening, you know, in the real world, which, once again, we'll get into that in a second, he would know, like, oh, I can throw my shield this way. Peter will dodge it. And then the shield will come back to me because, you know, physics and all that. <laughs> the shield doesn't care about them. But to see him actually hit Peter, it confuses the both of them because it's a good moment in this otherwise dreary, unforgettable, uh, excuse me, forgettable story. Uh, and Peter has a bit uh, where he remembers uh, the past with Aunt May. And he sees... No, webs on the ceiling as he's in a midst of a child. He's holding on to his Captain America figurine because for those who don't know, and this is actually some nice continuity here, Peter was a huge fan of Captain America as a child. Um, in the original continuity, I think at some point Uncle Ben had actually fought with Captain America and that's when he was, you know, uh, young enough to have served in World War II, but now it's a bit too late. So he probably, in the current continuity, never served with Captain America. But uh, Uncle Ben appears. Uh, he says, I got something for you, son. Your aunt didn't want me giving you the idea that breaking rules wins you prizes, so I sweet-talked her. And Peter had earlier stolen something from someone. He said, oh, you paid for the, for the gum I took from Mr. Louise's. Look, I don't know much, but one thing I do know is we don't usually get rewarded for doing what's right. Truth is, most of the time, it costs us something. For a good soldier, sometimes it means catching shrapnel or the flu on a long march back to Mr. Louise's, or so I hear. Being a good person means never giving up on those hard marches, or turning away from the right thing just because it hurts. You'll have to decide every day if you'll be strong enough to pay that price or leave it for someone else to pay for you. These lessons were hard won, my boy. Never give them up, whatever the cost, and don't forget them, okay? Never, sir. Never. Till the day I die. And you know, he tells... Yeah, uh, the young Peter tells Spider-Man, like, look, I can take it. Let's, we're never going to give up as the two become one again. And uh, he appears in his hospital bed saying, never. And he punches down on the, uh, oh gosh, they just said it, the little beeper thing to allow the nurse to know he needs help. And that is the end of the issue. So, uh, once again, uh, mixed feelings on this one. To be perfectly honest with you guys, I I really want 
more from this. And I'm glad we're getting a focus on Peter. I mean, that's the good thing about these past two issues. Even though it does sideline Ben, since this is supposed to be his series right now, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm contradicting myself. <laughs> I, that's just how I feel about this. I'm all over the place. Um, there's been a lot of debate on whether or not any of this was real whether Captain America was actually there. The, the big pros for saying that he was real was that Janine in you know, the cold opening did see that Captain America was coming to you know uh, dedicate that wing of the hospital. So, But then again, you have the whole, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on in all this. So I've I flip-flopped on whether I think it's real. I'm going to say it is. And that's how Peter got back as Cap brought him there. Um... That way, hopefully no one would ask questions. But it's... And there's some good concepts in this. It's uh, The Uncle Ben flashback work, worked for me. You know, uh, I, I gushed on the Captain America accidentally hitting you know Spider-Man in the head with a shield. I, I, it makes perfect sense for why that would happen. But it's the continuity, the time issues are what's killing me right now. It's like, uh, uh, is this really happening? Is this in his head? In his head? It's all over the place, so we're going to just move on from that. We've got a lot more to cover tonight. So we will move on from The Amazing Spider-Man all the way to The Avengers, uh, issue 51. Now, unfortunately, I did lose the audio uh, for the episode that would have had The Avengers uh, 50 on it. So you lose all of the roasting I did on that one. I was, <laughs> I was not a fan. And it's not like they were, the whole thing was bad. And But like this, we'll just get into 51. Okay. <clears throat> uh, this is the Death Hunters Part 1, A Dark Phoenix Rises of Our Asgard. This is written by Jason Aaron. This is drawn by Juan Frigeri, uh, David Curiel, and Corey Petit. Uh, we start with Iron Man and Thor in Avengers, uh, excuse me, no, in Asgard. Uh, and Tony's saying, I know people, okay? I know I'm the guy who knows all the people. I know spider people and space people and people who dress like up like frogs for a living. If they're weird and worth knowing, chances are I know them. But you know what kind of people I don't know? Ones with happy families. And he's talking to Thor. He says, I know plenty of families that want to maim or murder each other, but none of that, none that have bar backyard barbecues together. Growing up with difficult parentage must become some kind of unspoken prerequisite when it comes to our line of work. Maybe it's just a price we pay to get the canoodle in the clouds, you know? Which, yeah, yeah, I suppose I'm good with footing that bill. How about you, big guy? As Thor's kind of, you know, sparring uh, by himself. <clears throat> uh, Tony continues, says, Thor, what I'm trying to say is, I get it, pal. What you're going through right now, after these latest potential revelations from the Phoenix, I've been there. I know it makes you question who you are, who you always thought you were. I'm just here to tell you, from one child of par parental upheaval to another, that it shouldn't. You don't fight for Midgard because it's something you were genetically predisposed to do. You are who you've made yourself to be. The God. The Avenger. The King. Irregardless dang it, Aaron, of whose womb you sprang from. And Thor punches the destroyer army we, we see. That's what he's been testing his metal on. It says, I, the God who was once humbled by a, a whisper and now by a lying bird. Uh, if I remember correctly, this is referring to fear itself, where uh, he was told by, um, was it Gore? The God Butcher? 
I can't remember uh, that, you know, the gods are unworthy of worship and then it became unworthy for a little bit. Uh, and he says, I have searched the halls of all knowing in the ancient libraries of Asgard, even the Allfather's private tomes. I found no mention of a prehistoric phoenix avatar being my true birth mother. Well, that settles it then. You're just a regular old child of the gods, which I'm sure never gets complicated at all. And yet. And there's an and yet. Gaia, my true birth mother, will not answer my summons. And there are times, Tony Stark, when the storms are raging round me and the thunder shakes the pillars of the Ten Realms that... God's help me, I feel fire in my veins. Well, just a suggestion, but maybe it would help if you talked with Echo. No. She's been working day and night to better understand and control her new powers, and I think it's, it'd probably really help her too if you both could. No. I want nothing to do with the Phoenix. No matter what face the Star Witch hides behind, no matter her lies, you tell Echo from the Thunder King of Asgard to stay far the hell away from me. As we see, Echo is in front of uh, Sif, who I'm trying to remember if in War of the Realms, if she took over, because uh, Daredevil took over for Heimdall for a bit. Um, and then did he give it to Lady Sif? Is, is there a reason she's at the, the Rainbow Bridge stopping Echo from coming in? I, I don't remember. So just let me, yeah, uh, yeah just email, email us at uh, the Starving Writers Guild website, uh, if I screwed something up or uh, tweet at us, that'd be nice. Uh, Star Writers Guild anime manga podcast, uh, anime manga and comics podcast on Twitter. Uh, Echo says, "I just need to talk to him, please." And Sif says, "That is not a good idea. Believe me, All Father Thor has too much on his plate as is. I'm afraid there isn't room for the likes of you, Lady Echo." As Guardian of the Bifrost... Okay, so I had forgotten that she had said that line. As Guardian of the Bifrost, I cannot let you pass. I don't want trouble, Sif. Good. Hold tight to that notion, as it compels you to turn and leave. I don't want trouble, but I've already got plenty, whether I like it or not. Thor and I both do, and it's not going away until he and I can figure it out together. I had been trying, by boy, to be nice, Maya Lopez, for I see your noble heart, even down amid the inferno that rages inside you. But tis not my job to be nice. Get off my bridge, Phoenix. And Maya activates... Uh, uh, the Phoenix Insider says, I'm afraid I can't do that, and I'm sorry, Sif, but you won't be able to make me. Not you or all the gods in Asgard? Sif? She's frozen. D did I do? We get, oh, you sweet little baby child. No, you don't even know the first rule of the Firebird, do you? A Phoenix was made to go dark, love. Which, that's not true. <laughs> Maybe it's because the uh, owner of the Phoenix and the Masters of Evil, the Multiversal Masters of Evil is insane. Who knows? Or maybe it's another needless retcon. Who knows? That's the fun with Aaron. As we move over to Iron Man and Thor, who says, Thor? Aye, I felt it as well. All of Asgard just went dead silent. The minds of the gods themselves have been paralyzed. Attack. Then why not us? Here we get, ah, a Deathlock appears. He says, oh, because of me, but my mind shields can't protect us for long. I've come to you with a warning, Avengers, from across the megaverse, from the watchtower at the at Infinity's End. But I fear I have come too late, as he is attacked from behind by Wolverine's Claws, who is a un, unwilling member of the Multiversal Masters of Evil. And uh, the Killmonger in Destroyer armor says, an Asgard in its prime, splendid, means I get to strip it for parts all over again. As the Dark Phoenix says, let's not forget why we're here, darling. We have rats to hunt. Right. And would you look at that? 
Thor says, whoever you are, get on your knees before the all-thunderer of Asgard, and pray that he deigns to stop swinging his hammer while you yet draw breath. <laughs> they still have a Thor. How quaint, as he activates the destroyer armor to attack Thor, he said, uh, revealing his face, says, see these marks on my arms? One of these I made for you, pretty boy. Right after the first time I hacked you into pretty little pieces. With this, the vibranium axe of Bashinga, I call it my Storm Slayer. See, you're the one who belongs on his knees, Prince of Rainstorms, at the feet of the king who ground both Wakanda and Asgard into ashen ruin. The king of kings called Killmonger. As Iron Man attacks to destroy your armor, says Killmonger, Black Panther's enemy? Since when do you run around in Asgardian destroyer armor interlaced with Wakandan tech? And... Killmonger says, oh, look, it's the most pathetic sight in the universe. A Stark trying to figure things out with its mouth, <laughs> which is pretty good burn. Uh, that's well done there, Aaron. I like that. <clears throat> As uh, the Dark Phoenix says, yes, we should stop it from thinking before it hurts itself, shouldn't we, Berserker? Which is uh, what she calls Wolverine, who attacks Iron Man from behind. Says, Wolverine, what did they do to your eyes? And Dark Phoenix says, I know there are more of you here, little rodents. The tinkering of your master may shield your rotting brains from me as she uh, destroys one of the Deathlocks. Uh, but it also means I can spot your mental blankness from across the superflow. You cannot hide from me, Deathlocks. As the attacker says, we who are already dead are not afraid to die. <laughs> afraid? Not afraid? Who cares? It only matters that your flesh feeds to flame, dearies. As Maya appears and uh, blocks the blow, uh, they go at it with each other. Uh, Iron Man asks the Wolverine attacking me, like, Mind Control? Clone? Bad Dan Krakoa? What happened to you, Logan? Uh, the Deathlock behind him says, These Death Hunters, you may know their faces, Avenger, but they are not of your universe. Ah, alt-reality was going to be my next guess. Why are they after a bunch of Deathlocks? Because we've seen the scope of their omni-atrocities and been dispatched to warn the Earths. On orders from the Guardian of the God Quarry, Avenger Prime. Listen to me, Tony Stark. They will target your world's super genesis point and its original protectors. You must go to the aid of, as he is attacked uh, by Killmonger. And uh, Tony tries to attack Killmonger as well. Uh, you fight like a man who believes, little Stark, who hopes. I will liberate you from the albatross of those inane aspirations. I will break the Iron Man. And Dark Phoenix and Echo go at it again. Uh, Thor intervenes in the fight. And... <clears throat> Uh, one of the Deathlocks is engaging Destroyer to protect uh, Iron Man. says, These Death Hunters have come seeking conquest from across time and space, from across the superflow that binds the universe to as he gets donutted, Kakyoin style, by Killmonger. As another one finishes the th uh, thought, says, To universe brought together by the Doom above all and the Council of Red, to re remake hundreds of Earths, and, and he is destroyed by the Dark Phoenix, as another Deathlock says, in their own depraved image, to do this. They will strike at your ancient past. They will slaughter your age of heroes in its infancy. The dawn of man. The dawn of it all. This is where the Avengers must make their final stand. All Avengers, the Megaverse's mightiest heroes. As uh, Echo goes to attack, and Thor uses his hammer to prevent Dark Phoenix from hitting him. So I care not where you're from or why you're here, witch. I'll know only that you're a fool to set foot in the domain of Thor. Have you any idea how badly I've wanted to bludgeon the Phoenix? And he whacks her with Mjolnir, uh, taking her out of the palace they're in. They fight outside of it. says, you are next, Echo. Leave this realm at once. And Echo says, she's a phoenix from an alternate reality, an honest-to-God world destroyer. Thor, we have to work together to stop her. Never. And uh, Dark Phoenix then appears, has now grown into this uh, kind of harpyish form uh, into full-on bird. She says, uh, the Dark Phoenix has risen over Asgard. You cannot stop the Death Hunt. And she smacks Thor away. Uh, Killmonger hits Iron Man as well. 
The Deathlocks tell everyone to run, and uh, Dark Phoenix attacks everyone, and we get uh, Avengers Mountain, days earlier. Uh, welcome to the Brain Room, our computer network that runs off the cerebral tissue of a celestial. And this is uh, Black Panther speaking. Here you can access visual records of every fighting style known to man, and many of them aren't. So far, Maya, your photographic reflexes have allowed you to master nearly every significant Earth-based martial art. Now that you're ascending to a more cosmic level of combat, whose abilities would you like to add to your repertoire? She says, this is another test. I'm the Black Panther. Everything is a test. And I will say, that's one of the greatest parts of Aaron run, Aaron's run. As much as I liked making fun of him, uh, his T'Challa is pretty dang good. And she says, you cannot possibly challenge me more than I challenge myself, T'Challa. Mountain, show me the records of all beings with the power to kill the phoenix. It says, displaying. Owen Reese, uh, that's the Molecule Man for those who don't know. Uh, Thanos of Titan, Galactus, the Living Tribunal, the Beyonders. T'Challa says, I see. As the most marked and feared woman in the universe, you assume at some point you will need to fight for your life against one of these beings. Probably, but that wasn't what I was thinking. I'm the phoenix, which means I'll probably have to fight for my life against the phoenix, so I better know how to kill it. And it continues, Wanda Maximoff, Odin Borson, Thor Odinson. As we get back to the present, and Echo says, You're right, I've always been a human Echo. But with the power of the Phoenix, I'm more, far more than human. I can be an Echo of everything at once, of steel and knuckles, and all that was before, as she hits the Dark Phoenix in the face, and of everything from throughout the heavens that could possibly end us, of gods and god-eaters, of fire and thunder, as she summons uh, a fiery Mjolnir to attack Dark Phoenix, Oh, no, no. Is she wielding Mjolnir? Hold on one second. Because she throws it at... Uh... Okay, no, no, no. This is not actually Mjolnir. I was so confused for a second. After all the times I've read this, I, I think I had the th same thought every time. <laughs> uh, this manages to uh, shatter, uh, to an extent, the uh, axe that uh, Killmonger was using. And she says... Uh, Logan, I know you'd rather be dead than this mindless berserker, which is why she did it. Such is her ha hatred for you. If you're anything like the guy I know, then there still must be a, some shard of a hero inside your head. Let's see if we can't carve it loose as she summons uh, some phoenix fiery claws to rep uh, replicate his adamantium claws, and she hits him in the head. And Dark Phoenix says, My berserkers are mine forever, girl. Slaves with scorch marks where they used to have a soul. Perhaps I'll do the same to you, Echo, now that you've gone and made Mother Bird angry. And she's attacked by Iron Man and Thor. Says, Anger? What do you know of anger, pigeon? Thor will show you the anger of the storm, howling like a thousand hurricanes. Thor is the god of the sky rage. And Tony says, I'm the Pope of being super peeved off. Drop the Deathlocks, lady. Not sure what sort of backwoods universes you cheap knockoffs are used to dealing with, but in this one we've got something called Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Avengers up. And Thor interrupts says, no, Echo is not an Avenger. Which, uh, I know he's angry, but she's been an Avenger for quite some time. <laughs> uh, ever since she was Ronin in the new Avengers. And she says, uh, this is one of the worst bits of dialogue in this. I never said that I was your mother either, but I can sure spank you like I am. It's like, a really nice line there. And Tony says, guys, save the universe first, spank each other later. The Deathlocks say, We are Deathlocks, the universal agents of Avenger Prime. We have crossed a million firmaments to bring to Earth a warning. A multiversal massacre of the Infinity Requiem, of moons of melted flesh, and a legion of super Satans who... It says, uh, Dark Phoenix then appears says, Ah, the son of the Thunderbird. Is that what you two are bickering about? E Echo says, No. 
perfect time for my other pet to arrive. Now that he's done painting the ether with the blood of Deathlocks. Don't worry, Avengers. And the Thunderer and the Phoenix can indeed be one happy family. Can't they, my Berserker? So if you assume that all of her Berserkers were Wolverines, you're dead wrong, because now a Thor from one of the other uh, realities they destroyed or uh, recreated in her own image has appeared. And Tony says, Cap, we've got real trouble on Asgard. As Cap says, we're here under attack here too. It came out of nowhere, Tony. No matter what happens, don't let them kill the Deathlocks. So it appears that uh, the other members of the Masters of Evil are attacking the other Avengers, which I believe is going to be the next issue. So um, I am more positive on 51 than I was with 50. Uh, I still don't like the idea of, you know, uh, what was their name? Fire fire hair or whatever it was in the 1 million BC Avengers potentially being Thor's mother um, it, after it's already been retconned that Gaia was his real mother I mean it, uh, enough retconning and I, I'm not a fan of Howard Stark making a deal with Mephisto uh, it just happens way too often especially after it also just happened in Spider-Man with Norman Osborn revealed to have done the same thing it's it's a bit much I mean, that's what Mephisto does, mind you. But, I mean, you're destroying years of continuity for the sake of a new story right now. I'm not a huge fan of that. I am a fan of the idea of the, the multiversal Masters of Evil. That sounds exactly like something that would happen in the multiverse, is, you know, from different realities, banding together to re remake worlds in their image. That's a cool concept. I'm loving where it's going, as far as that's concerned. Uh, so we'll move on from there to Devil's Reign. Uh, this is uh, issue two. And if I can get to my right file, there we go. Yep, Devil's Reign, issue two. Uh, this is written by Chip Zdarsky. This is drawn by Marco Chiquetto, Marcio uh, Menez, and Clayton Coles. So uh, we start with Iron Fist being contacted by Luke about how you know he needs to suit up, even though Iron Fist says he's no longer that. But he does get the line, you know, once an Avenger, always an Avenger. As Crossbone appears, working with the Thunderbolts uh, to take him down. Uh, they attack one another, and uh, he is seemingly overwhelmed by them as uh, Luke, Jessica, and Iron Man are heading uh, away from everything. And Jessica asks, can we get to him? Or Luke says, I don't know. Iron Man says, he's 30 blocks away and we don't have a Quinjet. My brownstone locked down with all of my armors as soon as government officials tried to get in. If we're going to help Danny in the city, we need the rendezvous with Steve and the rest. We flash over to Kingpin in his office in the middle of the night as Elektra uh, Daredevil asks, What are you doing, Wilson? He says, Of course. No matter of security, nothing quite works against. Ninja, was it? Isn't that the background of Miss Elektra Nachios, the current fool dressed as Daredevil? You know none of this will stand, Fisk, this desperate play. The people you're up against have the power of gods. And if they attack the mayor, then the true power, the people, will remember. I'm tired of all of you, your ridiculous costumes, thinking because you have freakish lives resulting in freakish powers that you can do whatever you wish. As she brings her sigh down, he says, ah, so this is why you've come. You're a killer. You could solve all of this, except you've neutered yourself, haven't you? You're playing a long game with the real daredevil, which means no killing. I, however, am the opposite of neutered. I'm virile, eager to unleash decades of power. See, I've spent a fortune amassing information. 
on enemies, their weaknesses, their dalliances, and that's just the beginning. Your file I gave away to an eager recipient. As we see in his cane, in uh, the diamond part of it, he has a finger in there. It's so someone who specifically asked for the challenge of the Great Electra. They had one request of me when I next saw you, because I knew you'd come. They'd like you to meet them where you first tried to recruit the original Daredevil. To the hand. Now go to them, little ninja. She thinks he knows. He knows what I did, how I betrayed Matthew. As Typhoid Mary appears to try and take her down, uh, Electra uses the uh, size she got from Tony Stark to manage to cause a distraction and leave. So, I can't remember exactly what this is referring to, if it's something that happened in this run, or if it's talking about what Elektra was planning to do was to get Daredevil on her side again so he would join the hand with her. Uh, my memory's failing me right now, so I apologize. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, we flash over to uh, Steve, Miles, uh, Elektra... No, excuse me, no, not Elektra. Uh, Luke, Danny, Jessica, and Daredevil. Uh... Miles asks, I thought Avengers Mansion was like decommission. And Steve says, it's, it's a space for the public now, but the sub-basement is still secretly active. Well, gotcha. Are we going to keep waiting for Spidey Prime to go in? Or uh, Tony says, he's always late. We should get in before. And he's noticed by a bunch of kids. He asks them, like, guys, could you really not do this right now? I'll give you some money. They're like, screw that. We can make more money on the video. But then Luke Cage appears. And says, how about you guys just delete the video? You go, holy crap, it's Cage. Yeah, it's me, and I'm telling you, if we're all together sneaking around this place, bad stuff is going down, and we're the only ones who can stop it. This city is in danger, and it's your city as much as it is ours. Do me a solid, all right? They say, yeah, man, of course. And they delete the video. Whatever you say. As we see in the bushes, one of the purple children, and I did a little bit of research on this one. I'm fairly certain this could potentially be a new member of the purple children. Uh, judging from people's reaction, is potentially messing with their minds to force them not to do this. So we move over to Ben uh, as he's uh, swinging around the Daily Bugle. And in narration, he says, They asked for me by name. They asked for Spider-Man to come alone. It can't be coincidence that it's going down at the Bugle. That was Peter's place, not mine. Peter Parker, Ben Riley. It doesn't matter when people are in danger. Spider-Man runs to them. As we see inside of uh, the Bugle... Uh, Robbie Robertson is there like talking to someone saying you don't need everyone take me and let the rest go as we get Taskmaster saying classic hero move Robertson but I think I'm good Ben says speaking of classic heroes as he breaks in through the window the world as he calls himself in narration the world's greatest mimic you ordered one under 30 minutes of I'm free and Taskmaster says well then let's get this party started yeah as Ben thinks Taskmaster and Whiplash? His whips have enough electrical current to kill those people instantly. And Taskmaster continues. It ain't personal, Spidey. See, the guy who hired me has a file on you, but it's incomplete, and he hates that. So my job is to find out who Spider-Man really is. He also gave me some toys. The file says, based on your comings and goings, whoever's under that mask probably works here. Which is some expert sleuthing by the Kingpin. So I figured, draw you here for a maybe-not-so-fair fight with some perfect hostages and do some math to figure out who Spider-Man is. Thought I'd, though I'd rather do it the old-fashioned way, as uh, I believe that's Ben Urich and Glory Grant. Uh, by beating you to a pulp and peeling that mask off of you, let's go. And Ben thinks, yeah, 
let's go. You can do this, Ben. And we flash over to the Myrmidon, which is a prison for superpowered criminals. We see uh, Reed and Sue uh, talking about everything, but uh, in the midst of this, they are accosted by some prisoners. They manage to beat them down, and they're taken away by the guards. They have one little kiss with each other. Uh, <clears throat> as the scene then moves to Dr. Octopus, who is in the sub-basement of City Hall. He says, it's the best I can do, Fisk, as we see that uh, he is managing to contain the Purple Man. It was only ever a rumor that Victor Von Doom controlled the world using Zebediah Kilgrave. And for those of you who don't know, this is an excellent graphic novel written in, uh, was it 85-ish, I think? Maybe a little after that? Where Doom takes over the world by using the Purple Man to control everyone's minds. And I think Wonder Man was the only person who wasn't affected. Uh, that sounds about right. Uh, this device will be able to coerce people within New York, not control them. Kingman says, that would be enough to win the city, Otto. And, <clears throat> and I'll handle the rest. Uh, Ox says, sorry, Wilson, I made sure I was protected from the Purple Man influence with special neural blockers. My part of our deal is done. And Kingpin thinks, the more money a candidate spends on advertising, the more votes they get. How easily people can be controlled, manipulated. This device is no different than a flurry of ominous commercials pushing citizens to vote out of fear. I won't lose this election. I won't lose my city. The people will slog to their voting booths through streets kept safe by my thunderbolts, while vigilantes are kept busy chasing up their tumbling secrets. As we see Electra being uh, chased uh, excuse me, being stalked by Craven the Hunter. And Kingpin uh, continues, since they will all fall to a decade's worth of traps laid out for them, or scurry underground like the rats they are. As we go to Avengers Mansion, where Luke and uh, Tony are talking, so Iron Man says, been an age since I've been in the ma uh, mansion sub-basement. Almost forgot my old codes. And Luke says, we gotta talk about your plan. And Daredevil, blah, Daredevil says, to run against Fisk. Tony says, it, it's the cleanest way to win. What else are we going to do? Overthrow him? And Miles says, it's not that. We just just don't think it should be you. Sorry. Jessica says, no offense, man, but rich dude versus rich dude doesn't seem like the best path to victory. Which, that's a terrible argument. But, you know, whatever. Uh, if anything, it should be Tony... I, I'll get to that in a second, because what I wanted to happen didn't happen. Uh, Luke says, you're a hero, Tony, but Jessica's right. Fisk will twist things, and we're worried you won't come out on top. I think I think I should run. Iman says, wait, what? How does that... Steve says, Luke's the right pick, Tony. His speech the other day inspired people into winning the election. And Matt says, you need to inspire. And Luke's the only one of us who's never worn a mask. The people trust him, which is an excellent point to make. And then Jessica brings up another point. I mean, I never wore a mask, but I'm not really in the inspiration business. <laughs> And Luke says, I'm sorry, man. I don't want it to be me, but it makes sense. And Matt says, during these laws, uh, excuse me, creating these laws during an election season is dodgy at best. We can get Luke on the ticket and circumvent any impending arrest. I'm sure of it. Luke says, this isn't ego. This is about beating Fisk. We cool? And Tony says, yeah. Yeah, of course. I'll make sure you have all the funding you need to do this, Luke. Luke says, really appreciate it, man. Tony says, not a problem, as he looks quite angry at this. I'm not a fan of how this happened. I, It made sense in my mind for Tony to be like, well, I'm going to make everyone hate me for a second, but then drop out and say, well, 
oh, well, you don't like me? Well, what about Luke? What about Luke Cage, Power Man? Like, this guy has been on the streets helping this city for so long. He's been an Avenger. He's been a hero for hire all these years. Like, if you don't trust me, how about you trust him? And I don't like Tony being played this way. Because their point about, oh, it's just rich man versus rich man is kind of undermined when Tony is still backing Luke anyways with his money. So you could get a people being accused, well, he's just a crony for Tony Stark. Um, but I, I do love Luke being the one running for mayor. That is, yeah, I, I think I said it in the last one, it makes perfect sense to me. I think it'll be someone that the Kingpin will have a difficult time running against, especially if he's unable to use the purple man's influence. I am not a fan of the way Tony's been handled in this issue, but he, cause he's definitely a very smug person, but he's been around the block long enough to know, Oh, it's not a bad, good idea if I'm the one running, but you know, whatever uh, I'm off my soapbox. We move over uh, to Ben who is uh, fighting with the taskmaster who has used one of the new gadgets he's got to shock his suit. He says, he's thinking it's too much. Taskmaster is the best in the world at hand-to-hand -hand combat, and I'm trapped fighting inside. Need to work on Whiplash. Get him to give up his hostages. He says, huh, hey, Whiplash, uh, go for his ego. Thought you wanted to be A-list. Weird that you're cool with being the guy who watched someone kill Spider-Man. Whiplash says, screw you, bug, I'm A-list, all the way. And he lets go of his hostages to attack him. Ben thinks, perfect, you'll have one shot at this. And Taskmaster says, you idiot, he's goading you too. So make it count. Locked and goaded, Taskmaster, as uh, Spider-Man punches Whiplash in the face, but he is electrified by the attack. He's thinking, muscle seizing from electricity. Can't. Uh, all right, Taskmaster, can I take this outside? And Taskmaster says, honestly, that's a great idea, as he brings out one of the power-canceling collars around Ben's neck. He thinks, what is my powers? And Taskmaster kicks him off onto the street below. It says, and Ben's thinking, gone. No, need to need to slow my fall. He brings out his web shooters. It's powerless. This is gonna... Ah, it, since he no longer has a super strength, the pull from the web shooters uh, going out causes him to potentially break his arm. He says, ah, dislocated. Need to. And he falls on one of the cars below. And we get Doc Ock narrating. He says, Fisk is a small man, thinking small. Let him torture the masked man. Let him hold on to his small amounts of power. As always, Otto Octavius understands true power. True power is the laboratory of the mad scientist Reed Richards. As he's returned to the Baxter building, says, With his wild inventions like an interdimensional gate, let Fisk control a city. My plans as ever are superior. As he has summoned a multiversal team of seemingly Ock uh, versions of the Hulk, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider which to my Fantastic Four friends out there, you will recognize with him obviously taking the place of Spider-Man, being members of the new Fantastic Four that was uh, from uh, Fantastic Four 347 to 349. So, wow, what a baller issue. Zdarsky doesn't miss. I love his writing. Uh, other than his handling of Tony, that's my biggest complaint right now. And I do think Ben went down a little easy, but at the end of the day, uh, he was overwhelmed. Uh, he was worried about the hostages, and his plan was good. It's just the Parker luck. doesn't matter if you're a clone. <laughs> it's going to mess with you. So there's that. 
Uh, yeah, that's about all I got to say on that one. Uh, we're going to move on to Iron Man, uh, issue 15. What of Lazarus? This is written by Christopher Cantwell, drawn by uh, Ibrahim Roberson, uh, Frank Darmada, and Joe Caramagna, who has done a lot of things this month. <laughs> wow. So we get some narration from an unknown figure at this point. It says, My home is gone. My people are dead. I am all that remains, and I will not remain long. We are on the planet Satania. Could it be a mention of Satan for this series? <laughs> Penchants for being <laughs> pretentious? Who knows? It's uh, I narrowly escaped in a flight drone. I have to record what happened, as I believe I am the only one who knows what happened. Draconius, the cosmic entities. I must document the fate my world suffered at the hands of Korvac and the Iron God. The Wobo of Draconius are were a race of shapeshifters, peaceful, but a threat if mistreated or taken advantage of. We were self-reliant, strong. We were warriors, assassins if need be, but also artists, scholars, engineers, healers. As we see him going about his daily life, there's this giant explosion in the sky. All that changed when our mother star was violently extinguished in a single instant. They had been battling across the galaxy, locked in lethal combat for some time. We see the cosmically empowered uh, Iron Man and Korvac fighting one another. Korvac says, you won't stop me. Iron Man says, it looks like I'm the only one who can. I have the power, the conviction, and the devotion of a god. So do I. But I have to admit, Korvac, I'm growing disappointed in your limited ideas. You understand nothing. I understand that you've tasted this cosmic power before. Now I understand why you desperately wanted to again. But your plans to remake reality, they're so simplistic. Boring. As he punches Korvac uh, behind the neck says, uh, with his elbow, I've only been a god for a few minutes, and I already have a million ideas that are better than you. <laughs> Sounds like Tony. As he uh, hits him with a ray from the uh, chest plate of his armor. This power, it's effortless, incredible, alive within me, and not just in my mind, uh, my body, in my mind as well. And Korvac attacks him with a blow. Uh, a beam says, your mind is weak and small. No, I don't think that's true. People have been telling me that for years now. So much that I began to believe it. But the truth is, I'm one of the most preeminent thinkers that the Earth and the universe has ever known. And Korvac, uh, in the midst of this, they both blow up a planet, says, you're a tinkerer who builds mechanical suits and nothing more. And the narration continues. That was the moment my world ended. We'd only had minutes to evacuate since the collapse of our star. Minutes. I barely made it to a drone with a single copy of our great history. No one knew what was happening. No one knew how fast the absolute end would come. Not me, not anyone. That's when I saw them, the cause of our destruction. And Iron Man asked, Do you even feel what you just did? How many you killed? Corvette says, A necessary sacrifice to stop your interference. How many more are necessary? How many more will you kill? How long until you get out of my way? If you stand aside now, I promise to make it only one more. Then I witnessed as the Iron God tore a hole from this universe to another. I found you a better home, Korvac, away from ours. An entire universe all to yourself, a dead universe. This is the only place you deserve to be master of. Enjoy the company of ghosts. What is this place? I've never enjoyed the power of Cosmic before, never understood it now. My entire being is a vessel for it. Mechanical suits were just the beginning, I guess. Now, I am the power, and the power is me. My new link to the cosmos shows me a multitude of realities, and this one matched the stench of death that you're covered in. Nothing lives here, not one molecule. What happened? What made it this way? 
I can hear the story of this universe if I listen to its whispers and gasps. Can't you, Korvac? His entire existence was murdered by yet another egomaniac, a colleague of mine, it seems. Victor, what did you do? Uh, this is a reference to the Doctor Doom series, which was very unfortunately canceled, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what had happened if uh, he had destroyed it because he and that uh, the Doom of this reality and the Reed of that reality were working together. It's like, well, pff, I refuse to believe that and destroyed everything. Or if it was something else, uh, uh, Kang was involved in there at some point. Uh, sorry, it's been a while since I've read it, so my memory's kind of gone. Uh, and Korvac says, I want to improve, not kill. My goal is to induce harmony. Tony says, you're a fool, Korvac. A smug and solipsistic waste. It's so cold here. The nothingness. Yes, cold. Nothing. It's all that you wanted, isn't it? Your ignorance is still so astounding, Stark. I pity you. As Iron Man hits him with another chest blast, says, Don't worry, you won't die here. You're too powerful. But your quest is over now, Korvac. Live alone in the lifelessness of the reality you chose. You're welcome. The battle appeared to have been won, with Korvac left to drift wounded in dead space. But then, something strange. And Iron Man looks at Earth. Still trying to fathom the loss of my world, I watched as the Iron God seemed now to contemplate his own home. Gone, like everything else here, snuffed out by hate and bad ideas. It can happen on my earth, too. It's always on the brink, always threatened. But now, now I'm more than a man in a mechanical suit. It will be more, so much more. I will help it be so much more. I will help my entire universe, everything. I will make it so much more. I'm sorry, Korvac. As Korvac tries to attack him from behind, it's my turn now, as he obliterates part of Korvac with an attack. But what I saw next... I'm a holy man, but never did I believe I would encounter so many gods on a single day, on our doomsday. As we see uh, Lord Chaos and Lord Order, um, Eternity, uh, Lady Death, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember all the names, uh, the Living Tribunal, uh, oh gosh, oh, I'm blanking on these names. Some of these figures have been around for years. As the Living Tribunal says, this battle ceases now. And Iron Man says, the Living Tribunal, I see you brought some friends this time. Uh, he had previously appeared a couple of issues ago in Iron Man. Uh, the Living Tribunal continues, Korvac, you have disturbed the universal balance. And this is the in-betweener. says, you will come with us. And Tony says, I thought he'd be safest here, contained in this graveyard of a prison. And this is either Lord Chaos, no, no. Eternity. He is safe nowhere that is not under our immediate watchful eye. And Chaos and Order are saying, But what of him? What of Iron Man? An Iron Man imbued with the cosmos himself. And I don't know all of these, so I apologize. One says, Give him trust. Another says, Give him pain. And Lady Death says, Give him his ultimate end. I don't want to fight any of you, but I will if I have to. And Oblivion says, it's, It matters not what we give or do not give him. The path has been set. So says Oblivion. The in-betweener says, uh, Iron Man, what you do next with your power will determine your fate, and perhaps the fate of existence. Living Tribunal says, presently it is clouded, but the ultimate outcome may be satisfactory to us. Go and live your destiny. And Eternity says, we will be watching, always. Iron Man says, hear that, Korvac? My new special project just got the green light. Sorry, yours has been canceled. Korvac says, I have a new project. You. You are now my sole focus, Tony Stark. And the narration continues. The entities then vanished with Korvac. 
I narrowly escaped that hollow universe back into this one, but still found my, found my home of Draconius no more. I came here to Satania, my drone spin of fuel. Even now I feel my last breaths as I write these final words in our great history. What will the Iron God bring to his homeworld? I know only what he and Kovac brought to mine. Death. As he then dies in the bar he was writing this down on. And that was the end of uh, the comic. I almost said episode. That's not right. <laughs> wow. I gotta admit, when this whole cosmic stuff first started in the Iron Man run, I didn't know how to feel. But that's how you handle it. This was amazing. And I am a huge fan of this run. As, as much as I joke about it being pretentious, and it is very pretentious at times, it's a good pretentious. <laughs> if there can be such a thing. And seeing Tony deal with you know his, his very different philosophies from Korvac, they, they've played off of each other really well in this. <clears throat> Working as really great foils. I, I am so happy with what's been going on in Iron Man. Uh, but we do have one final comic tonight, and uh, that is Venom 3. Yep, if I go to the right word document here for my stuff. Uh, Venom 3. This is written by Rom V. This is drawn by Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, and uh, Alex Sinclair. Uh, so we start in the midst of this at uh, Ildefonso Archipelago, headquarters of the Life Foundation. I thought the Life Foundation went into bankruptcy in Spencer's run, but uh, who knows, maybe there's another department there. Uh, Carlton Drake, who is, uh, if I'm rem remembering correctly, as part of the Extreme Carnage stuff, was like running against, uh, uh, excuse me, running for like a senator or something on like an anti-symbiote, anti-alien uh, platform after the events of the King in Black and War of the Realms. He's explaining to uh, the uh, head of the uh, mercenary group that had attacked Dylan earlier. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Archer Lyle. No, wait, no. No, wait, no. Mr. Carson. Archer Lyle was the reporter. Sorry. All these new names. I'm learning them. I swear. He says, The true nature of our problem becomes evident when we ask the question, What do we really know about symbiotes? We know this much. They are amorphous cellular organisms, extraterrestrial in origin, and dependent on physiological symbiosis to survive and thrive on different worlds. Hence the word symbiote. And in time, we have discovered that the symbiosis is more a, a matter of choice than physiology. Their hosts are often turned into husk, bags of biological functions driven to dust by an all-consuming ravenous intelligence. A parasite, then. Which is... <laughs> It's just some playful commentary on how originally the symbiote was just, it didn't really feed off of Peter uh, until the 90s cartoon, and then they changed into the comics to reflect that. So that's fun. Uh, and he continues, And just as we began to think, we had a grasp on what they were. We were visited by their god, the Clintar, Clintar Demiurge, imprisoned by in his own hive for fear of all he could unleash. No. And dragons. We mustn't forget the dragons and Germanic legends of prior alien visitations. And break away pieces of symbiote mass, developing sentience and personalities of their own in the organic inversion by negative energy. Are you still keeping track, Mr. Carson? 
Good. You will understand that the only thing we truly know about these so-called symbionts, as he brings up a folder on Dylan Brock, is that we know so very little about these ever-changing, ever-adapting organisms forever evolving beyond our grasp. And Carson says, I'm not sure I understand your point, Mr. Drake. Uh, tell me, Mr. Carson, what is an umbrella? Uh, something that keeps the rain off? Yes, you see how we define things by their function. If I were to poke a hole into the umbrella and let the rain through, would it stop being one? Yes, no. How many times does it take before an umbrella changes into something else? I still don't see what this has to do, anything to do with taking down the Venom symbiote. Precisely, Mr. Carson, I'm not interested in taking down the Venom symbiote. Our endeavor is to poke as many holes as we can into the thing, so we can see what it changes into. And the Venom symbiote is uh, wondering what has happened to Eddie in the midst of this. It's seeing uh, a bunch of death as we then move on to Dylan with uh, Archer Lyle. And Dylan sees a picture of Eddie says, oh, he looks a lot younger here. She says, I knew him back then, yeah. I was a war correspondent, young, naive, and foolhardy enough to dive headlong into war zones. To be honest, I think he was just working me for any leads he could get into the lost gold scandal. He was a piece of work, your dad. Once he had a scent, he was like a pit bull, but it was always about the story. The moment he had what he needed, he disappeared. Imagine my surprise when I got a message from him in our dead drop, and the first thing he says is, In six days, I'm going to die. Dylan says, Wait, what? He said he was going to die. He knew? Honestly, I thought he'd gone completely over to Ben, talking about some shadow organization called the Absent Throne. But then some of the stuff he pointed to checked out. And then you showed up at the diner. I saw him. Archer. Dad, Dad was at home asking me to pack my things. And then he was also on the phone with me. And I'm sure it was him on the call. Something really strange is going on. As she's uh, tried to put everything together about these various organizations working with each other. And... She says, whoever whatever this absent throne is, their interest is centered around symbionts. I found our best bet at digging deeper, a small research facility in Plymouth. I've cased a place before. Our chances of finding a link there are good, and they're small enough for any digging to go unnoticed. I'm heading there tonight. I'll gain access, see what I can find. Dylan says, I'm going with you. I'm not sure having a symbiote rampaging through my stealth op is the best idea, Dylan. He says, well, if there's any chance I can find anything about my dad, I want to be there. It'll just be me and the cat. The cat? Well, he goes everywhere with me. He'll, it'll be fine. I promise. So Eddie goes to take, uh, excuse me, Eddie. Dylan takes a sleeper with him as uh, Archer manages to tase one of the uh, guards there. <clears throat> and she is found out in the midst of this and is about to be taken down as uh, she is then made in contact with a woman. We'll find out her identity in a moment. Uh, see, Archer, I told you we had the symbiote handled. As Dylan had been taken down in the midst of this, we have the boy sedated and the symbiote contained, one of the uh, mercenaries says, ready to move out, Miss Allen. As we see Liz Allen of Alchemax fame, former girlfriend of Peter Parker forever ago, but now is big into symbiotes. And she says, we know how to break what we make. Archer says, yeah, you weren't kidding, Liz. I just feel sorry for the kid. Liz says, there's a symbiote arms race coming, and whether he knows it or not, Dylan Brock is right in the middle of it. What we did here tonight, Archer, is going to save a lot of lives. As Dylan is taken away on an ambulance elsewhere, and uh, we flash back over to uh, Carson and Drake. Carson's asking, I get it, Mr. Drake. You're fascinated by these things. But if they are truly ever-changing, ever-evolving things, you realize this is an arms race, right? 
If you send my people in with sonic mines and flamethrowers again, we're not even going to dent the thing, let alone poke holes in it. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Drake says, escalation is key to inspiring evolution. You are right, Mr. Carson. And I imagine you'll find that this escalation fits you quite well, as he is revealed at seemingly an anti-symbiote armor that has been made, almost kind of looks like a weird mix of the uh, Iron Patriot armor and the, the guardsman suits. Uh, we get narration says, we think the boy has, has excuse me, continues, says, we think the boy has had help going to ground. Our best guess is they're holed up in an abandoned industrial estate at the edge of town. So what do you say, Mr. Carson? Feel like taking the spearhead out for a spin. And that is the end of the uh, Venom issue. So I'm not going to lie, uh, some of this was very confusing the first time I read it. It's very dense. I, I am liking the direction it's going. It's still hard with all these people that I don't know. <laughs> Trying to remember their names and what they're doing, why they're there. So enough of that. We'll move on to our manwa tonight. Uh, to Solo Leveling, uh, Chapter 178. Oh, and I will mention before that, uh, I have not decided what I'm going to uh, replace Solo Leveling with. I'm debating. There was one I forgot to mention, which was uh, Tomb Raider King, which looks like it may also be ending within a couple of chapters, too. So, uh, it's a series that I, I'm sometimes I wonder how I feel about it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm in here for the long haul. So, I mean, I'm already reading it, so I might as well put it out there. So, I, I'm leaning towards definitely putting Tomb Raider King onto the podcast and then maybe taking more time to read some other series to start getting into them because I don't know if I'm ready to start discussing Max Level Hero or uh, Memorize or anything like that. So we'll see. Uh, so the world has reverted in solo leveling. And... <clears throat> uh, uh, excuse me. I forgot his sister's name. Uh, she is uh, telling him, asking if he's already awake. And we see, oh, cute little... Sung Jin Woo, when he was just a little lad. <laughs> Jina was her name. And he got narration here. So, uh, Jina, who just washed up. The smell of stew that's being cooked and the sound of chopping. We see his mother there. It says, Jin Woo, are you awake? And my room that's full of my smell. He says out loud, Father? And his dad says, Father, not Dad. <laughs> so we see him in his uh, less impressive uh, appearance, not similar to his son, and that they both haven't been leveled up. <laughs> by their experiences with the rulers and the monarchs. Uh, why are you suddenly acting that way? And Sung Jin Woo just starts crying. He says, I think I just had a nightmare. And we get narration from him. He says, yeah, my nightmare has ended. My nightmare is over, and now I'm with my younger sister, my mother, who's healthy, and my father, who didn't, disappear. I was given the last chance to set everything right. I won't lose this opportunity. I can now rewrite the future that is to come. But, just for a little, isn't it okay for me to just treasure this piece that I'm feeling? We see him, you know, with classmates, you know, just hanging out as, 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 as a reward for myself. I know it as well. I know that beyond those skies, there are monarchs preparing humongous gates to attack us right now. But just for a little, for just a little while longer, if this time that I'm enjoying wouldn't cause harm to anyone then... <clears throat> I would like to stay here and enjoy it for a day longer. 
Let me see later on. He's left a note uh, on his desk for his mother to find. It says, I'll come back after I'm done with what I need to do. A little ominous. As he then uh, goes, having accepted the powers once more, uh, the Shadow Monarch, he's uh, fighting individually against the other monarchs, taking some of their soldiers, raising them up with his powers. And he continues, this empty world that has nothing but endless darkness feels extremely lonely if there isn't any fighting. He's facing off with one of the monarchs. He says, I won my fight against the monarchs and killed the monarch of the Transfiguration, who was at the core of everything. And so, I've, it's been 27 years since I've entered the dimensional crack. It looks like the long and dreary fight is finally coming to an end soon. The only remaining enemies are the Dragon Emperor and his direct soldiers, the Brigade of Destruction. I'm glad that time flows differently outside compared to in here. Around two years have passed in the outside world, I guess. Meeting everyone again after two years. I wonder how father and mother are doing. How much would Jana have changed? Should I wait for her to grow up more before I explain what happened to her? As he's told by one of his soldiers, like, My liege, we've finished things here. There are no enemies that are still breathing. And Sanji Wu says, All right, we won't lose a second time. Arise. As he creates more soldiers for his army to attack uh, Antares, who says, The monarch of transfiguration, Yogamunt, has been defeated. And he's talking to one of his minions, says, shall we? who says, uh, shall we move to somewhere further from where they are? And Terry says, no, I'm tired of running away. We'll fight with them here. The Shadow Monarch is truly amazing. I didn't expect you to use the cup of reincarnation to turn back time. To think I'd meet you again alive and breathing. But it's time for one of us to return in peace for eternity. I'm Antares. Oh, second Shadow Monarch, what is your name? And he says, Sung Jin Wu. Do you have anything else to say? No. And they clash with one another, uh, rushing into each other, blade after blade, army after army, and that is the end of chapter 178. So we'll move on to chapter 179, uh, the final chapter of solo leveling. So taking most everyone by surprise, uh, this is the end. So here we go. Uh, in the real world, two years had passed. Due to what some fortune teller said, the entirety of America was shaken. Uh, the God who is about to bring doom will soon descend upon this land. Normally, this prophecy wouldn't have received any attention. However, the problem was that Norma Selner was the one who gave this prophecy. She says, The God of death will descend on this land along with an infinite number of soldiers of death. We won't be able to escape from death. There's no way for us to escape from the God of death. And narration continues. Two years ago, she, who was suddenly enlightened, had predicted the death of the North Korean dictator, the terrorist kidnapping of passengers, and a crash of the stock market due to the huge crash of the real estate industry, etc. Numerous prophecies of her have been accurate and have caused her to be in the center of a lot of controversies. And now she suddenly says that the world will come to an end. Of course, everyone would be in shock. And the next day, in the skies of Seoul, a huge black hole that covered almost the whole sky had appeared. Selenor's prophecy then made the headlines in all the newspapers of the world. And everyone's freaking out. It's like, oh my gosh, it's opening. It's like, what is that? As Sung Jin Wu has managed to slip in through, it closes behind him. And uh, one of the rulers has, uh, in the form of a human, says, ah, we're glad you've returned safely. Welcome back, Sung Jin Wu-si. Or should I call you the Shadow Monarch? I didn't expect you to appear in the form of a middle schooler. And he says, it's because people might have been scared if I came out with a full bearded face. It doesn't feel bad to have at least one person welcome me back. 
We really didn't think that you'd be able to make it back after trying to take care of everything alone. But right now I see that your steps carry the weight of 10 million shoulders, uh, soldiers as he looks at his shadow and he has an immense army in there. I'm sure you're not here just to give me a flower bouquet. What business does the envoy of the rulers have with me? The rulers have a message for you, the Shadow Monarch. This might be a long conversation. Shall we move to another location to talk? Alright, I just happen to have a place that I'd like to drop by. I don't mind. Uh, excuse me. I'd like to drop by in mine. And he gets some ice cream. He <laughs> says, you know, after being in a place where there's nothing for so long, it's natural that one would like to try something sweet. Well, what did the rulers say? Ah, they would like to thank you, as usual. Forget the formalities. Is there a problem? Uh, no, in fact. I'm here for you because of all the problems, because all the problems have been resolved. The rulers are worried about your powers, which can influence the direction of the world. As you know, the power that you possess is not something that the world is ready for. So? This world that doesn't even have mana is way too weak. Which is why, if you're okay with it, we're wondering if you'd mind moving to another world that's ready to accept your power. Instead of doing something that's such a pain, like moving to another world, there's also the option of just sealing me completely. Well, of course, that's possible, too. Now that I no longer have any use, are you guys getting rid of me? Just because you're afraid of the powers that I possess? Well, no, no, that's definitely not it. Uh, please, read this. And he brings down uh, his phone, says, uh, explaining the prophecy. It says, Back when you disappeared, she wasn't such a powerful fortune teller. But after coming into contact with our world, her life has changed. So are you saying that my existence has brought about this change? Uh, yes, monarch. Could we talk again another time instead? I would do just that, a great monarch. A bows to Sung Jin Wu and leaves. <clears throat> We have some narration. If every living organism has a fixed purpose for their existence, then one thing's for sure. I, who became the Shadow Monarch and stopped the world's odd phenomena and the monarchs with my strength, have completed my mission. I fulfilled my purpose. But a great amount of power that has served this purpose is a pain to deal with, just like nuclear materials that have reached the end of their lifespan. If that's the case, there will be a lot of questions. Would I now become an existence that this place doesn't need anymore? How meaningless. As outside of the ice cream shop, he sees Cha, which surprises him. Uh, he gets excited, runs out after, and we get narration, the time will come when the question of whether it's okay for me to remain in this place will be answered. And she's thinking, what's this? Did ice cream always also smell so good? However, if there's a reason to remain in this place then, as we see a bunch of the old hunters, uh, his family... Uh, just going about their lives. It's probably that there are still people in th that I love in this place. And that people who love me are still here. And seeing more of the hunters as well. Uh, oh gosh, what was the name of that? Uh, the original healer in his party. I, I can't remember her name for the life of me. Uh, which is why there's enough reason for me to stay here. I'll stay here and find other reasons as to why I should stay here. And uh, Cha has turned around, looking right at him. And he's thinking, that's what I've decided on. And they look at one another. And that is the end of Silver Leveling. So, uh, I've already gone in depth of why I don't like this kind of ending. It's a little cheap, in my opinion. 
but I want to end this very well on the fact and very positively on how much I do love solo leveling. It's a series like I I just uh, got into. And uh, I wasn't like, like planning it. I, like I had heard that it was good. So I was like, yeah, sure. Just why not? And I got to say, I'm so glad I did. It's uh, <laughs> like I said, I mentioned several times before power fantasies. You know, sometimes you just need a good one where you just have a guy killing a bunch of fools. That's what I love about solo leveling. But, you know, that's not to say that there's nothing deep about this. That there's nothing, you know, you can't glean from a, a good message from this. Uh, I will say it's definitely not the deepest thing in the world. Even though there are some deep subjects brought up in here. Of, you know, the powers over life and death. You know, uh, cosmic forces in our lives messing with us. Like, uh, how can we live in a world like that? Uh, what's the deal with ranking people based on their strength, does that mean that they can't do anything uh, if they're, you know, this rank versus this rank? Or is someone who's really S rank more important than you know, someone lesser than that? So I will miss... I'm definitely going to miss solo leveling. I, I had such a fun time with it. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to continue into uh, Tower of God uh, to go ahead and finish off this podcast. We have uh, two chapters to get through. Uh, 5.15 and 5.16. All right. So we start in uh, 5.15 with Gasracha looking at uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Yama. Wondering why he's smiling in the midst of the fight between the two of them. And, uh, excuse me. Oh, gosh, I just blanked on it. <laughs> I just said it. Yama says, you know, I got you. And he gets ready to attack. Yasrachi says, how foolish, and manages to deflect the attack. Says, did you think you could take me down just by flying at me? Yama continues to smile, and Yasrachi's thinking, has he completely lost it? Then Yama kicks him. That punk, was he always this strong? And Yama says, this fight is fun. (laughs) Staring him down. And Yasrachi says, it's fun. Stop kidding me! Atomic strike! And Yama manages to deflect the attack. Uh, Excuse me, Yasrachi says, Do you know I did kill your father? That's an excellent job, by the way. Translation people on webtoons. I did killed your father. (laughs) But the one who led him to his death was the leader of the Lopobia family. And this place where you stepped in is his area. You should have fled when I warned you. And we flip over to inside the wall. Uh, the bomb is asleep. Asensio is going to talk to Kuhn. He says, uh, <clears throat> says there to give information. They're going to go somewhere to talk in private. Asensio says, so, I hear you have a connection with quite a dangerous guy. I don't know in detail since I only heard a bit, but he's dangerous. Kuhn says, I know. Well, I've got to say, I can picture you two together, right? It's not such a bizarre combination. I'll cut the chatter and just get to the point. If you're here to sound me out, it's no use. Don't be so cranky. I get it. I'm here to tell you something seriously. I'm here to tell you something seriously. Should there be a period there? Wow. I know a lot of people are ragging on the translation, and I'm with them on this one. 
uh, it's classified information, but I'll, I'll tell you, since you guys have already have a rough idea about it, you know Jihad's army is after you guys, right? Actually, Jihad's army was ordered to kill all the, the regulars who are on the Hell Train. Uh, even a fool knows that. And the other order was to wage war against the Poe Bedow family. What? A war? <laughs> Nonsense, right? Anyway, the military and the administration tried to clear the mission of, by getting rid of you, but failed. After that, it became hard to even lay hands on the regulars, which complicated things for them. The commander-in-chief wanted an all-out war, as usual, but the administration didn't want Jihad's army to confront the ten families directly, so they came up with a remedy. To have the Lopobia family fight against the Pobedov family instead, that is. So the main ship of the Lopobia family is now on the move for the war against the Poe Bedow family. Is that really true? Right, it's highly classified information, only known to a few in the Lopobia family and the military. Of course, the Lopobia family had no reason to fight a proxy war, so they also attached some conditions to it. That was to destroy the 4th Army Corps, regroup it with Army Corps Commander Lyberic, and those related to the Lopobia family and engage them in a war, and lastly, to allow them to deal with the irregular Slayer candidate. Surprisingly, the administration gave permission, so Machini stepped up and succeeded at luring all of you into this nest, which is the home ground of the Lopobia family. Do you know why this nest was chosen as the stage of battle? Actually, there's a warp device that connects to Lopobia's main ship in this place. Lopobia's army can get involved here whenever they want without outside interference. That's why you guys were called here. What? Where? Well, I don't know. Lyberic took the warp gate after it was used. The problem is, aside from the warp gate that was originally here, another one was brought in. The warp gate that connects to Lopobia's battleship. It seems that insiders... Insiders... Lopobia's army... <laughs> insider in Lopobia's army... Good gosh, just the third time in this translation... Uh, planted in the 5th Army Corps, secretly moved it inside the Cat Tower, without Yes Racha even knowing. I just got this confirmed by one of my insiders, so it should be accurate. Then, those inside the Cat Tower are in big danger? We see on Love's side of the Cat Tower, it says, oh, I don't see any mice around here. Do they even exist? And he's looking around. <clears throat> uh, the midst of this, he sees uh, a hostage camp. So he goes over there to try and break them out. Uh, there's a woman in there with a dog mask. <laughs> but the rest of her is human. It's, it's a real inspired choice. But in the midst of this, uh, Love has noticed the portal, the warp gate, that Asensio had just mentioned. And is wondering, uh, wait, what is uh, that all about? And so sorry about that. My, my computer decided it was a good idea to freeze in the midst of all of this, so I apologize. There's going to be a, a big edit there for, for John to have to get rid of all that missing time because uh, I had to turn my mic off just to not uh, mess up with the recording, so my apologies, everyone. Uh, so in the midst of this, uh, we do see that Love has seen this new form and it's kind of like spidery, uh, appearance has come out uh, to uh, seemingly become involved in this, and we do find out the name of this person uh, fairly soon. So then we go over to uh, Mashini uh, Jihad, uh, one of the princesses of Jihad, if I'm remembering correctly. 
and a member of the Kuhn family as well, if I'm also remembering, which would make sense given the blue hair. <laughs> uh, she is one of the people responsible for uh, capturing Bomb's master, uh, Jin Sung Ha, and keeping him there. Uh, so she is uh, <clears throat> uh, keeping him in line as they have now come, the Bauman team have come to see the nest. Uh, so we'll move on from that chapter to 500 and what did I just say earlier? 16. Sorry, that my computer messed me up, sent me all over the place. I had to refresh all those pages. So you get, uh, Kuhn looking out says, The floating ship came out. Bob says, Someone's inside the ship. Hello, all you immature kids, Machini says. I'm Machini Jihad, the princess of Jihad, and the one in charge of this operation. And Asensio says, Oh, feel free to talk. This is my pocket, so it's safe. Don't worry. First of all, I don't know if you've heard from my little brother there, but I'm the mastermind who entrapped Jinsung Ha and lured you here. For what, uh, for what purpose did you do such a thing? Bomb, don't get too worked up. A purpose? Well, they all put you in trouble for pretty much the same reason. In the midst of turmoil, they want to get, call, get the special card called an irregular and use it however they want. And Rack says, don't you dare talk about my prey like that. Say whose side you're on. <laughs> whose side I'm on? Don't flatter yourselves. You're not strong nor great enough to join hands with others. You are not in a position to choose who you want to team with. But to worry by whom you'll be taken advantage of, children. In other words, I don't intend to take your side, and I'm just suggesting why not let me take advantage of you, you little munchins, munchkins. <laughs> Which makes Asensio upset. Uh, she continues, Now we're going to move Jensen Ha to the teleporter. It's stopped for a moment since you won the game, but it's already done being charged. Although I give you all of, all of you credit for getting here, there's no way you can stop Jensen Ha from being sealed. The area inside the teleporter belongs to Lopobia, which is untouchable even for me. I can only help before then, if you want it. So here's my proposition to you. The teleporter above that huge suspendium. I want you to go into that suspendium instead of Jinsung Ha. And bring me what's in there. That's the only way you can save Jinsung Ha right now. And Bomb says, you want me to get trapped in that suspendium? Instead of my master? And Kun says, hey, what, are, what kind of ridiculous proposition is that? It's obviously a setup. You're messing with us, right? Machine says, quiet. That's no way to talk, Kun, Agero, and Agnes. Don't forget that I can remove you from the Kuhn family anytime I want, leaving no trace behind. Which, honestly, I'm kind of surprised hasn't happened yet. <laughs> after all he's done. Uh, I don't know how to get out of that suspendium after getting in there either. Go figure it out yourselves. You just need to bring me what's inside that suspendium. Given the irregular's powers, I don't think it's impossible to escape. And Kun says, no, Bomb, this is ridiculous. I'm sure it's just a trap to lock you up. You must not do this. Bomb! But Bomb's staring off in the distance, and <laughs> Kun realizes, oh, he's already made up his mind. He says, ah, oh, that look. And Rex says, you can't stop him when he has that look on his face. I guess you don't really have a choice. If you really want to go, let's go together, Bomb. Who says, Kun? Don't even say you're going alone. That never stopped us from coming along. You saw how it was for Cha and Doan. What's worse than being trapped is, is an endless... Uh, what's worse than being trapped is an, in an... Oh my gosh, again, with the translation. An endless wait. Whatever. Let's go there together, and we'll find our way back out. 
Pops says, Coon, Rack. Okay, let's go there and find our way out. I'm sure we can do it. And we return to Love uh, as the teleportation had happened around him. As he, So I got my characters mixed up. I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. <laughs> one was loading it, and I just decided to delete uh, that one so I could focus on getting the other loaded up. So in a little peek behind the curtain, things gone wrong for me. <laughs> so now is when we see uh, the spidery figure, uh, branch leader candidate of the Lopa Bia family, uh, in parentheses, hatchling. <clears throat> Advanced ranker, Sicarius. I love thinking to himself, is that a human? And then we move over to where Liber uh, Liberoc, Liberic is. Gosh, that name. As uh, two members of the Lopa Bia family have then appeared, we have uh, Mayer, uh, M-A-Y-E-R, Meyer, and uh, uh, Candidi. Uh, Liberic says, oh, you two arrived later than expected. Well, this side has its own problems, too, but it feels like something is about to happen on the other side as well. I understand. How's the situation there? They doubt a collision would really happen, or that is what I think. It is bound to happen anyway, though. I see, you don't have to act so formal. I heard you'll soon inherit the branch leadership. Oh, I cannot do that. You are going to be our superior. We receive word that the rising figures in our Lopa Bia family will become the new division commanders of Jihad's 4th Army Corps, and that you will take over as the Army Corps commander. Army Corps commander Liberic. Right, to prepare for the upcoming strife. It was necessary to cement the union between Jihad's army, Lopabia's army, and the Kuhn family, and keep the Podbidao family in check. Since I was considered the man for the job, I was chosen. By the way, will the one make an appearance? Yes, when the reading circle is convened, in about twenty minutes, I suppose. By that time, the high up of the other side surely won't be on the move. That means, yes. The one will be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just remembered how they referred to uh, uh, the the head uh, demon in the Promised Neverland. <laughs> I couldn't couldn't get that out of my head. It's like, oh, the one, that man, that guy. I hate that trope so much. Just be, just use the noun. Just use the proper noun. I don't care. Just, or or find a way to say the information without being like that man. Uh, it's just so lazy. <clears throat> um, as Machini is organizing things for them to come along uh, Kuhn is asking why everyone else is joining them too and Arya says I really don't want to go but I got nowhere else to run to <laughs> and Machini then says please restart the teleporter we will proceed to seal Jinsung Ha as planned let's get back to the floating carrier now as she then uh, visits uh Jensung Ha says, you know, let's go. It's time for you to be sealed. And <clears throat> we get some narration. I thought she was just a young water snake who likes to fight. But she's a python too big to remain in the sea. As Jensung Ha stares her down, Kunin says, let's go to the rest of the team. And that is the end of the chapter. So I have got to say, this is... <laughs> These two chapters back-to-back -back were really taxing. It says a lot to keep track of, and not in a good way. Um, and once again, uh, Tower of God has so many characters in it. 
and it introduces new characters and then sometimes it's like wait are they being introduced now or are they introduced 250 chapters ago or two chapters ago it's like it's very hard to keep track of i'm trying to keep a list of characters going on from from now but even, even that's not good enough for my memory <laughs> so one of the biggest criticisms i've seen so far uh, in the phantom is that it's getting way too complicated for its own good way too convoluted and to an extent i agree with that idea there is a lot to juggle right now especially when the next chapter comes because i have read that i just it came earlier today but i don't want to i don't want to cover three chapters in one night <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you guys i wanted a, a bit of a rest in between because this was a way longer comics episode than normal uh, that's what happens when you skip two weeks and <laughs> you get hurt and <laughs> all that jazz so i'm i'm looking forward to what happens next uh political intrigue and tower of god has always been fun uh, it's very dense mind you but i've loved the different families fighting between each other different you know, princesses all fighting with one another now we have you know uh, uh fug or fug if you prefer uh, fighting against jihad and the armies so i'm loving it this is very nice but i do believe that's it for tonight so uh, we are the starving writers guild uh, we are here to help writers uh, with their own works uh, find ways to publish their own works uh, we offer editing services as well you can find us at starvingwritersguild.com we are mc ashley john transylvania and barbara page uh, you can find our works there on our website as well as contact us there if you would like to. Uh, I still need to set up an email for the podcast proper, so that's on me and my lack of time in this life. Uh, but we are also on Twitter at the Starving Writers Guild uh, Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. You can tweet at us there if you'd like. Uh, please follow us. We'll follow you back. That's what we do. Let's see. Other than that, oh, yes, our books are also on Amazon under, under our names as well. And I do believe that it's it for me outside of, please, uh, if you may, if you are willing, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's really helping uh, gain attention with people along the way. I'm doing everything I can on my end to promote it without you know, sinking too much money into it. Because I can't do that and afford my life. <laughs> this is... Like I said, this is still a hobby right now, but a hobby I am really enjoying. And I thank all of you who have stayed with us for this long. Uh, and that'll be it for tonight. So until next time, see ya.